Hey everyone, Don Saladino. And Zach Ziegler. We are coming to you with Muscle and Fitness Reps. Today we have a very special guest, my good friend, Jordan Shallow, chiropractor, um, powerlifter, strength coach, meathead, beard connoisseur. <laughs> uh, we're very excited to have you in here, man. Thanks for Appreciate you guys having me on. So um, we did a little, I mean, I've known Jordan and I obviously met, um, met him through Ben Pikulski. Um, we were out for Ben's birthday dinner and Jordan came in and we started hitting it off and obviously you know good people you get around them but I was really impressed with Jordan because you know not too often do you see big strong guys that really understand what's I mean, this is an insult a little bit but what's really truly going on in the body and I know one topic and I'm gonna kind of dive right into it a little bit that we were discussing with is, is stability and I just think of even walking through Bev's. We were, you know, you were at Bev Francis Powerhouse Gym the other day. This is like the East Coast Mecca, and I'm walking through there, and you see guys stretching, and you see guys doing things that are really, you know, they're like spinning their wheels. They're like doing the same stuff over and over and over with no improvement. And yeah, I love your approach. I love how you broke it down. I mean, can you kind of go into some detail? Talk about your injuries. Talk about you know where this all, you know, how your training's evolved. And you're you're still a young guy. I mean, you're 28. Yeah. How much time do you got on the injury front? <laughs> no, I mean, it really started to click for me when I got to grad school. Like, you you, you learn a lot. Like, there's a there's a visceral knowledge that comes with cutting open a dead body. That, to me, was for stuff really... Because in textbooks, it's all clean, right? Like, blue artery, vein, red, muscle, origin, insertion. It's like, it's a nightmare in there. Anyone who's taken a scalpel to someone, like, that's... I, I don't know if yeah. you have. No, 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 I, I, mean, no I don't, I don't no. recommend anyone going, like, killing drifters just to see what's going on, but, like, <laughs> that, like, really started to click with me, and then, you know, being in the, uh, not the most blessed part of the gene pool, like, I'm from Newfoundland. My parents are hobbits. Like, I'm the biggest person in my family tree by, like, five inches and about 95 pounds. So I just had to make it work. And, like, I knew my asset wasn't going to be, like, I know guys who look at dumbbells and they just get bigger. Right? Or they fit into machines well, like the force curves and the resistance, all that stuff. They just go in and it doesn't matter what they eat. doesn't matter how often they train. Like, they're just good. It's like I, I knew that wasn't me. So it's like taking a more cerebral approach out of the gate was always something that I, I invested a lot of stock into. Like I wasn't going to be that guy that just goes in first day in the gym, bench 225. It's like I literally remember the first time I benched 100 pounds, and I was stoked. It was like the 10th grade. I was, I was little. So it's like knowing that that's where I was going to make the progress was like in the books and then transfer it over onto the bar. So how long ago was that? I mean, how, uh, I mean you're 28 now, so was yeah. that like a solid 10 years? I mean, what yeah, doing? so for me, my first workout was with Kyle Lundy and Graham Skelton at the end of the ninth grade. I was five foot one, 160 pounds. Yeah, remember it like it was yesterday. It was like one of those things where they had you do a push-up after a chest day, and you just fell flat on your face, yeah. and that was like the litmus test. Do you, do, you, do you remember your first workout? I don't. I don't. I remember the first time I tried to put up 135, and I didn't account for the weight of the bar. Oh. Um, and it didn't end well. No. So I just, you know, I didn't know. So I was no one. No one was there to show me, and I was just kind of feeling my way around, and uh, you know, learned a good lesson that day. The one plate club was big, yeah. but that's when you know that's like your milestone because like guys get to a plate and like I'm cool. I'm good. And then the guys that get to a plate and go like, I wonder what 185 feels like. Yeah, let's ride the lightning. Let's do it. And then it's like two plates, 275, 315, 365, 405, and it just never stops. I haven't hit 405 on the bench yet, but I do remember doing 200 pounds for the first time when I was in high school, and yeah. I was like stoked. I remember, because um, I, was, I was a baseball player, and I remember not wanting to do arms, 
because I was afraid that it was going to like ruin my, my pitching arm. I was just yeah. under the assumption that working biceps was going to screw me up. A really good arm in high school, and I was just like so panicked about it. And then, you know, I don't know. I just kind of grew out of it, I guess. But Yeah, certain level of fear-mongering that comes around, like, across, uh, lacrosse players is another one. They don't, train, they don't train chest because huh. they're worried that they can't get really? their elbows together. I've yeah, never yeah, heard yeah. that one. Yeah. No, I haven't either. Yeah, I, we, we play box in Canada. You guys likely play field out here, but, like, box lacrosse players. Never train chest, never train bicep. I hear it a lot from uh, golfers. These yeah. golfers are like, no, 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 I want to. So I like, work with torpedoes. Yeah. Like, but then like they end, they end up coming back after a few weeks, and they're like, dude, I want abs, man. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> Didn't John Daly just come out with a quote of the century like a couple of weeks ago? He probably did. Like he's like, I don't work out because you can't pull fat because everyone was like pulling their backs and stuff. And I was just like, just slow clap. Like this guy, he's got it figured out. What a powerhouse. Daly, Daly was, uh, he, he, he wasn't good for my business at one point. Let's just put it that you way. You heard of him? What's that? You heard no, no, I don't oh. work with him, but okay. people were like, well, what about John Daly? And I'm like, sure. He's <laughs> Homer Simpson. I'm trying to talk to people about like hip speed and like hip IR and like all this stuff. And suddenly <laughs> they're like, but what about John Daly? Yeah, what about Miller Lite as a pre workout? <laughs> my work. Who was it? Um, The One Day You May guy. The, the one who passed. Oh, one who, Rich Piana. Yeah. yeah. I saw I, I saw one with God Rest His Soul, but I, I saw one where they would drink a beer and bench 225 for 20. Yeah. And he, made, he, had, he had a bet. He's like, let's, let's drink a beer, bench 225 for 20, and the first one to tap out. Loses, and I think they drank like I legitimately think they drank like twenty beers each. Yeah, and, and, and in that case, everyone lost. That yeah, day. that's yeah. an interesting Bullshit. drinking game. We yeah. used to just play flip cup or like you know <laughs> beer pong or Beirut, whatever you want to call it. I'm not gonna start that fight, but never did we play bench two twenty five for twenty. Yeah, can't do it for twenty. No. So um, getting back to stability. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Um. Here, yeah, sorry. Thanks. So um. You know, can you start breaking it down a little bit? I mean, a lot of times you see people stretching. I see it a lot with dancers. They come in and, you know, these women, they can get into positions on the gym floor and they're training and they're just like, they're almost too elastic. Yeah. And can, can you get into very simple terms? Sure, yeah. I mean, people think and we're sold that the think of a decreased likelihood of injury with increased mobility. That's what we were sold. We need to stretch more, stretch more, stretch more. Mm -hmm. And it's like in the nomenclature, right? Like if something hurts, if something's painful, everyone goes, or even if something's tight, Everyone thinks, okay, it's like they think of what tightness is as just like a structural change. It's shortening in length. But it's like tightness is a, more of a neurological thing. So the, the common parlance is if something's tight, if something's painful, it's what's the stretch for this? And as like a practicing chiropractor, even a strength coach, it's like, coach, doc, what do I, get, what do I have to do to stretch this? And it's like rarely is that the answer. So you talked about dancers, and I'm really glad you did. Because the fat powerlifter who squats 1,000 pounds who can't tie a shoe is as equally as likely to succumb to injury as the dancer who you could fold up and put in the overhead in, <laughs> uh, on the flight, right? <laughs> so she's hypermobile. She needs stability. Right? Because she reaches an end range of motion where if a muscle can't stabilize, the structure will. Like that's labrum, that's, um, that's joint capsule, that's um, bicep tendon, whatever, ligaments, things that you can't necessarily control, right? Um, and then the fat powerlifter is so immobile that he relies on like elastic properties of muscle. And it's like, well, you stretch an elastic enough times, mm -hmm. it's gonna break, right? And so the big problem with stability when it's sold to us is that it's sold to us as strength. It's like stability by definition is our ability to resist force, where strength is our ability to exert force, right? Like how much, what do you bench, right? No one ever asks how much can you kettlebell bottom under press, but those are the questions that are more pertinent to me, especially when we start talking about athletics. But I think the big problem for general population 
is that they just get sold on the idea of pain, right? Pain is easy. Pain is dumb. Pain is so. If we only set our sights on pain, that's a that's a low bar to eclipse for general public, like general population, and it's subjective. So it's like if we can set everyone on the trajectory of better performance, at least that's objective. It's like, you know, get someone out of pain. It's like, you know, they get eight hours of sleep. There's low stress. They go on vacation. Best thing for my practice when people go on vacation because they come back and they're fine. Oh, yeah, doc, feel great. Oh, yeah? We can Kawhi. I must have done you wonders. Right? No stress. No pain. I, I went away last week and I had a hockey tournament where I was definitely off the diet and eating, you know, whatever the hell I want, and you know, I got back and I was, I was lacking in rest. Like I clearly didn't get the right amount of sleep, like not even close, probably half. My body felt incredible, <laughs> and I realized it because I was laughing, I was chilling out, and I just wasn't all wound up and all, and all binded up. So I'm, I'm curious, because when you start looking at a lot of guys in this gym that we were, we were at the other day, bodybuilders, powerlifters, they're so sad in their ways of of doing things, yet one time I went out and put a video with you guys on some kettlebell work, and I got absolutely, like, torched. People are like, this sucks, like, I'll, I'll go with the old way, and like you even said, a bottom-up press, it's like, it's like gold, it's like your, it's your magic, what'd you, what'd you call it? That's my gatekeeper. You called it your gatekeeper. Can you explain, like, he's got a list of exercises that he considers his gatekeeper. Can you go into detail a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so fun. it's like, going, kind of going back to the stability thing, it's like, loading stability is something different than endurance or strength, right? Like, no one looks at me and goes, oh, you know, Shallow, the guy who's a good runner? It's like, fucking 270 pounds. <laughs> like, I stopped running when people stopped chasing me. But it's obvious, like, if I said, hey, I squat, whatever, people are like, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But, like, if I hey, do a four-minute mile, huh? what do you think about it? Like, no fucking way, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're kind of out of breath right now. So, like, just as strength is different than, uh, than endurance, stability is different than strength. When every time we try and, what do you get told? You walk into a chiropractor, you got a weak rotator cuff, a weak core, weak hips, or weak glutes. Like, that's great. Strength isn't the answer because weakness isn't the problem. It's stability. All those muscles run east to west. They don't run north to south. They don't have to be strong. So something like a bottoms underpress or like, like Don alluded to, like the the exercises that I think are the most important litmus gatekeeper. test. Gatekeeper. I love it. I'm, yeah. stealing, I'm going on record. No, no, I'm do stealing it. it from you, but do it's it. gatekeeper. Hey, it was own his. It. Own it, man. So, so this is what you run people through to see, like to try to evaluate how their uh, how their stability is. Sure. Yeah. Because the there's a prerequisite, right? Like you need to load stability properly. You need good mobility. Like a bottoms under press is like you got to keep that elbow tucked right under the wrist the whole time and spiral up. People with bad mobility are going to get to here and they're going to flare out and they're going to turn it into a delt, uh, shoulder press. So it's like, that's a strong delt. This is a stable shoulder. There's a difference, right? Mm -hmm. So the bottom under press for me, it's like, okay, we're navigating our way to a very structurally unstable position. Like you want to dislocate someone's shoulder, takes nothing more than a smile. In this position, mm -hmm. right. like a little from behind and that thing is flying right through the front of the shoulder. No problem. It's very structurally unstable. But that gives us a window of opportunity to train the functional stability of the rotator cuff. So an unstable load, like the bottom under press of a kettlebell with the load above the wrist, now you have like a minimum, like from a physics standpoint, a minimum base of support and a constantly deviating center of mass. Like, and not that that matters. Heavier kettlebell, more stability, better shoulder. That's all you need to know. And then it's just like we get into this unstable position. And now here, what people will do is it falls back. They can't yeah, keep it. Yeah. Well, what, why? Like, oh, my wrist is weak. It's nothing, nothing to do with your wrist. wrist. Yeah. Not, it has everything to do with that perception of stability in your shoulder, right? And it just, your brain goes, we don't have enough trained stability through the rotator cuff. We have all the strength in the world. We could grab those TheraBands and we could go to the cows, come home. 
but it, you didn't got shit here. Right. Because if you, don't, if you can't even get into this position, you're useless. It's funny how X, if, it's funny on what we do, X doesn't always mark the spot. You know, there could be pain coming from other one yeah. area that's from another area, right. or someone's blaming the wrist and it's not the wrist. So the gatekeeper, I mean, so you, so number one for you is I'm not saying it's in any order, yeah. but bottom up press is pretty is pretty awesome. Yeah, it tells you like does the scapula move properly? Does it have that two to one motion of like the ball and socket to the actual mm -hmm. shoulder blade moving itself? Mm -hmm. And by that by that definition, is the thoracic spine moving right? We can't move the scapula if the thoracic spine's not mobile. Mm -hmm. So it's like if we can't stabilize the shoulder blade, if we can't stabilize the glenohumeral joint, we can't effectively get in that position. We get halfway up and then falls back. Mm -hmm. Look at my wrist. Like, it's not your wrist. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's your light on the dashboard. So it says check the engine. You don't change the fucking bulb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You run the code. But the hard part <laughs> is, is is running that Rosetta Stone and running the code. And do you think that most people don't even, that they're not even recognizing or don't see that they're, they have these, these, these stability weaknesses and so they're not, they just keep training through it so they keep adding more weight and adding more weight so eventually they're going to get to the point where something's going to give, right? 100%, man. There's no doubt in my mind. It's because like, even like the most unstable medium that most people train with is a dumbbell. Like if you're pressing or benching or something like that, like a dumbbell press will be the most unstable medium. But it's like your shoulder blades are still stabilized on a bench or yeah. on the floor or something mm -hmm. like that, right? So it's like the more we externalize that stability, the less we're demanding it internally. Yeah. And it's just about like driving that internal stimulus. You think it's ego? Is it just like uh, I want to add, I want to add more weight, or is it just they they think that they're doing it right? They're 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 able to move more weight, so why wouldn't I? Yeah, I, you know what? I never think like always like don't explain with malice what can be explained with ignorance. Like I, I just think most people, it's just a different paradigm like it's a different way of looking at these muscles like we always train muscles based off of action which is how muscle moves when we take origin and move it to insertion right so why are we going to train a rotator cuff the same way we're going to train our bicep bicep does this it has to be strong sure because gravity comes down and we got to carry shit but like the rotator cuff works around like that like subscap infraspinatus mm -hmm. like they just work around a heel of black so why does it have to be strong it has to be able to resist force and it's whether or not it's oversimplification by a physical therapist or chiropractors or inundation of products, like it's hard to sell this. I'm not selling anything. It's just it's a concept. It's an idea. It's a theory. There's no band or anything. You, your gym's got kettlebells. Go ahead. I'm not selling you stuff to put around your hips to strengthen your glutes or shit like that. I also think you're. I, I think you're giving a solution that's, in my eyes, a, a lot simpler, and a lot more fun. Yeah. How many people do you, oh, I hate stretching, I hate stretching. Like, well, you don't necessarily have to. And I'm not saying everyone doesn't have to, but, you know, it makes, you know, it, it makes perfect sense. So, bottom-up press. Yep. What's your next? Uh, windmill. So, for the upper yep. body, it'd be the windmill and the bottom-up press. So, the way I look at this, the two major muscles of stability that we get told are weak, weak serratus, which is, like, a little bit more advanced. Most people, like, never really have to concern themselves with it, but... As you get as you get stronger, start bench pressing more, especially like if we think of how the shoulder functions. Like if I said, in your mind, what athlete gets the most output out of their shoulder joint or the, the shoulder complex? What would you guys say? Uh, swimmer, pitcher. Swimmer, pitcher. I was going to say pitcher. Yeah. So I like pitcher, like Iron Mike. Like I like boxer and pitcher. So like, I always get this wrong. So there's Randy. Jackson and Randy Johnson. One's the black dude from American Idol, and Randy one's Jackson. The, Randy Jackson. And like, one's the pitcher, the big tall bird looking. Randy yeah, who, yeah. Who's the, he yeah, killed the pigeons. Yeah, yeah. That guy, right? Like when I think shoulder function, that's it. And that's, we talked about this earlier. Like 
function doesn't mean anything anymore because companies came in and use it as a sales it's a buzzword, pitch. Yeah. It's a buzzword. Thank you. Exactly. So, but it means something, man. Like from a strength coach, from a powerlifter's perspective, right. from a from a chiropractor rehabilitation perspective, it means something. Because like one thing that Randy's not doing or Iron Mike's not doing is they're not keeping that shoulder blade down and back when they punch forward or when they throw that pitch. Mm-hmm. They're allowing that shit like. Even now, I saw a video go viral of Tyson like a couple weeks ago where he was shadow boxing in a bar. Holy shit. But you could see how his scap moves off his rib cage, and there's just one unit that comes out. But then when we go into the gym, every personal trainer in the world goes, Keep your shoulder blades down and back, keep your shoulder blades together. Mm-hmm. And then like imagine coming into the fight and having to keep your like you're like you're doing that Notre Dame guy thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you have to integrate, right? So the serratus to me with the windmill is huge because that forces you to protract and elevate and use the shoulder as one functional unit, not like literally create dysfunction. And I know like people get all up in arms when you use the word function or dysfunction, but it's the integration of the shoulder blade. Like can the shoulder blade move up and out so we can fully internally rotate to like for a pitcher example, pronate the wrist. Right, so integrating stuff like that into your programming is huge. It's everything. It's longevity. So you think that uh, we're taught to like compartmentalize things in terms, or just maybe it's like segmented, whereas you're thinking of it move, just moving as one unit, moving as the, the body should be fluid rather than just like you're saying st- be stable or concrete, like glued to the bench or whatever, and like nothing should move. Is so it's isolation mean? versus integration. Right. Would be how I'd frame it. Right. Okay. But here's the thing: if you're if you're a bodybuilder, or hell, even if you're a powerlifter, when I bench, you better believe we bench earlier today you better believe those shoulder blades are in my back pocket and i want nothing to move and i want this bar to have to move as little as possible so i can move as much weight as possible right but like i almost look at it like oh what is it it's one of the law of conservation the law of conservation of energy it gets a little advanced but i swear like it, it means something where matter can never be created or destroyed function in your programming should can never be destroyed it has to be transferred so just as I know that... What do you mean by that? Can you break that down sure, a little Sure, yeah. More? So, like, let's take the serratus, right? The serratus is going to allow our shoulder blade to move. Like, when I bench press, I never want to protract and elevate, mm-hmm. especially if I'm benching in competition as a powerlifter. I want to keep those shoulder blades down and back mm-hmm. 100%. Right. That's dysfunctional. I can't destroy that moment in my training. I have to have now, in isolation elsewhere, a moment where I'm loading the exact opposite fully function the integrate whether it's a landline press where i can load yeah, into that you can actually yeah. protract right? so it's like most people they try and destroy that moment of function they try and just okay i'm just gonna bench press and it's like all right well you're you're telling your rhomboids to squeeze together and all that right. tells your serratus to and what you're off. saying is no you could practice those other things and you should yeah in isolation so here's the thing like if you if you're not a competitive powerlifter and you just you know you just want to do a pressing movement if you just do a landline press good you don't need to go into isolation on pure serratus stability work, right? And that's the thing. I, I use the word very carefully, stability work. Very unstable when you're in, like, a kettlebell windmill, right? But if you're doing, like, a protraction plank because your physical therapist told you you had a weak serratus and mm-hmm. you're training it, like, stretch, shorten, stretch, shorten, like a bicep or a pec or a delt, yeah. you're just training it to be strong. There's no carryover. Like, it's almost like, do you speak another language? I used to speak broken Italian. No shit. Yes. Really. But I never would have called that. This is probably 14 years ago. So, like, that's a really good example. Yeah. Like, think of think of being fluent in, like, a Latin-based language. Let's go with Italian. Mm-hmm. And let's, like, drop you in, I don't know, Barcelona. Go to Spain mm-hmm. for a day. If you speak Italian, you can, if you're in Spain, you can get on a train. Yeah, you, you can, can you, you can futz around. Yeah, you can order lunch. <clears throat> and that's most people, right? So, most people are tourists to physical activity. So they can get a get away without being physically literate in the adaptations they're making. 
that's when they strengthen muscles of stability. But as you start to push the needle and you start to really start to hammer weights or progress in, in, in sports, you're permanent resident. That's like, all right, broken Italian, we're moving to Spain. Everyone, let's, let's go. We're going to relocate now. You're going to want to brush up. You're going to want to make sure that you're fluent Absolutely. in the adaptations you're making. So I think that's where a lot of people fall short is all the research. And you can find good research that says rotator cuff strengthening, core strengthening, hip strengthening works well. What do they work well on? Untrained. And even by definition of what most researchers call trained individuals is not trained individuals. What, what are they? So what would they? What would they be like? What, what would they oh, be? like college age males. It's the uh, same bro that I walks see. in because a chest and arms hero. Yeah. That like, all right, who benches the most in the college yeah. gym? All right, yeah. Chad, come here. Like that's what research. Chad. It's always come Chad. here, Zach. <laughs> that's, <Yeah. laughs> but that's what research calls well trained, right? And it's like there's well trained, and then there's major leagues. Yeah, right. well trained, and then there's professional athletes, right? So it's like they're not doing research on that. So it's like extrapolating out from what we know and what we're combined to in research is what really kind of pushed the needle forward and like kept me asking questions and kind of come up with this as well, a system. That actually opens up something, and I know we want to finish this list. But mm -hmm. so where where is it that you would go to find? quality studies or research because don and i talk about this sometimes we'll say hey you know a study came out and we'll say well what was the study on how many people did they you know who who was part of it like where did it where was it taking place so, so it's there's just a lot of studies every day that seem to contradict the the previous study from the day before and it's i think the lot there's a lot of misinformation so yeah. where is it that you're you're going to go to to kind of base like the basics man like basic physiology basic anatomy basic biomechanics like if i want what i learned like my hip mechanics sprint coaches you want because who's going to get the most output out, out of someone's hips usain bolt hands down you like just as iron mike and and randy johnson johnson thank Not you jackson. i like the other guy because he's my favorite like like he's your favorite like, uh, no, uh, he's my favorite meme on the internet the, <laughs> the randy jackson yeah yeah, yeah. But he's the, like, dog, what, the what, dog guy what is he dog say? that guy no yeah no he's no. uh no, not for me dog not uh, for me, though. Yeah, it, yeah that's, that's the one. Yeah. Oh, anyway, so, but for me, he's like, upset. He's like, to, dog. To, to the upper body, it's Randy, whatever, and Iron Mike. But the lower body, it's Usain Bolt. Right. Hands down, without a doubt. He's a specimen. He's an anomaly that we'll never see likely again in our lifetime. Because uh, of what, his height? His height and yeah. the fact that he is inherently structurally unstable. He's a fucking, he's an 18-wheeler taking the turnpike going 120. And he keeps that bitch to the ground and fucking floors it and comes out of a 200 yeah, he meter. Is, how much taller is he than your, than your typical sprinter? If you look at past record holders in the yeah. 1 and 200, he's on average 5 inches taller. Yeah, it's, like, it's look, at, look at some of the ballers, right? Like, who is that kid in the NCAA? The 7-5. You see that guy? No. In March Madness this year? No. Dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what the, the, the one who split out of his I shoes? White men came I don't know. He's 7 foot 5. <laughs> no, the guy I'm, who's I'm seven talking about five. the guy. I'm talking about the guy who broke through his shoes. I'm talking about someone completely different. But, I mean, like, you watch some of these basketball players run down a court, and they're baby giraffes, man. Yeah. They have no control. They're fish out of water. They have no control. Like, their foot is so far away from their brain that, like, it has no idea. There's no connectivity. They're so unstable. But Bolt is on the upper echelon of being tall. Like, he can play in the league. He's 6'6". Six, six, six. But his ability to stay completely upright and stable as he rounds a corner in the 200 is, like, nothing you will ever see. Yeah. People don't appreciate, like... You can, I can still see him coming around. He's just how he's, you know... It's yeah, just, it's just... It, there's, even with the bank course of the turn, that's where he's most impressive. Because he literally has to run, like, less, like five or six less strides than most people because he's just able to express his stride length, right? I don't even know what your original question was. 
We were talking. I, know, about I, I get so excited when I talk about Bolt. Man. I was just thinking about Justin Gatlin when he ran against Justin Gatlin was yeah. one who lost him in the last Olympics. Yeah, and you know this is probably would have been a gold medal winner if, if it wasn't if Bolt wasn't even in it with him. But yeah, no. I just remember just how outnumbered he was almost right. And I don't know if Gatlin ever beat Bolt. Did, did, did Bolt end up losing at a specific point? I don't even know. If no, but three he for three in three Olympics, nine gold. No, but like outside of the Olympics in like a Worlds or some bullshit, he know. probably was just stoned and drunk for who knows. Probably, okay. <laughs> If anyone could do it, man, he could do it. It's pretty. It's it's pretty. So yeah. So uh, back to so we were on uh, two of the however many four or five. What was your question? Now, now we we. we uh, I was trying to think about it. I can't remember it. Sorry. It was dude. really, it was really important so though. So yeah. we did bottom up press. We oh, did it was where do you? It was where. Ah, where, where, are you oh, go, where are you yeah. going to like, do basics, man? Like yeah. like research. Re- <clears throat> no, not so. Here's the problem. There's like a revenge <clears throat> of the nerds culture going on right now. Like where whatever shreds supplements and photoshop made their money by pulling the wool over everyone's eyes now all of a sudden there's like a counterculture where the heaviest thing people are lifting is clipboards but they're fucking massaging research and putting out false data it's bullshit i know some of these researchers personally and i know for a fact what they're putting out is dog shit because they're smart enough that they can manipulate the parameters of a study to make whatever they want to prove prove <laughs> right and i and i've t- i've had people on my podcast i've held their feet to the fire and so they hide it somewhere in, like, the footnotes, or they hide it in some article about conflicts of interest. And you guys are fucking charlatans, man. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I look at it this way, man. Like, if I've ever talked to anyone, not to go too far off on a tangent, but, like, research has to be interpreted. People follow research like religion. It's like, you can think someone lived in a whale for a few days, or what, I don't know, I've never read the book. Or, like, a guy died and then came <laughs> back to life. Are we cutting that? <laughs> Shit. But... <laughs> But you know what I mean? It's like, but I think there's definitely, like, I've read the Bible, I've read the Quran, I've read the Gita. There's things you can interpret, right, from those stories. And I think that's the same with research, man. I think research has to be interpreted, not read. And there's a difference. And the difference is not being, being research-based is not being evidence-based, right? Like, there's no squirrels in here. Well, fucking squirrels don't exist. All right, we have we've yeah, yeah, proven yeah, it's like it's so small, and like yeah. until you, until you're you know you're in your office and you're you're seeing people who are hurt, like what commonly goes down when people when the system breaks, right. or when you're on the gym floor and you're training athletes, or you're in the gym yourself, and it's like starting to develop trends. Like to me, research is so right now it's crap. So it's not it's not all bad, but I just look to. Uh, I mean, a book I always refer people to is Anatomy Trains by Thomas Myers. Like, h- how we integrate muscles in system to create movements. Huge. That's such a good concept for, like, we talked about earlier, that light on the dashboard. Mm-hmm. That helps you develop code to run to see, like, oh, it hurts here. Then maybe down the line that creates this movement that's painful, maybe there's a weakness or instability elsewhere. So I think for me now, it's I get most of my knowledge from teaching. Because I get to, I'm so lucky. I get to see so many people. Like, you also I, get to <clears> teach <throat> with some smart people, also. So oh, you, that's dude. You no, know, it's also it, it's definitely helpful when you surround yourself with with people that you're. I'm not saying that are smarter than you, but may know a little bit more about than you do in a specific. Category. Oh, sure, and that raises the whole base competency of my audience. Because I used to teach to the end user, like teach to the individual. Like I'd be in powerlifting gyms teaching injury risk management to individual powerlifters who would go forth and take this information and hopefully help prolong their lifting career. But now I'm in a position with, you know, I do seminars with Ben Pakulski. I, I developed two courses for Good Life Fitness in Canada, so I developed their entire personal training education for the entire company. Now I get to go to personal trainers. Now, for each person I talk to, they've trained thousands of 
people or thousands of hours. Now, the, just the collective in that room is, it's almost like I just get to hoard all this time and all this experience to get to learn from other people. Like, it's the only reason I teach is because that's how I learn now. Is like I can see people who are so messed up, who've been doing, who've tried everything else, and it's like, okay, you've tried that for this and that worked, or you tried that for this and that didn't work. It's like, that to me is where I go. It's just experience now more than anything. Yeah, but I also feel like if you're a coach, you should. It's it's, it's in your it's in your uh, duty. It's in your right to, you know, you have to be willing to be coached and you have to be willing to learn. And I think a big problem that we're seeing out there is that there's a large population of coaches that are very complacent. They're continuing to do the same stuff over and over, and they're not necessarily. I mean, listen, your job as a coach is to help and improve someone. You should not, in my opinion, like, fine, like, let's face it, I work with golfers. Like, is swinging a golf club the best thing for the body? Like, I would argue it is. It's not. You know, is is baseball, is ice hockey? Like, you're going to develop some imbalances. You're going to develop some asymmetries. But um, as a coach, it's your job to give them the best possible opportunity to be successful. And we're seeing a lot of general fitness stuff. I mean, we get into uh, you know topics of CrossFit, finance guys that I know that just turn around and they open uh, um, um, nightclub owners who turn around and they open boot camp concepts because you know they turn the lights down, they play awesome music, they have hot chicks running around, and they just turn the heat up a lot. And suddenly, like people, they're like, "What a workout! What a workout!" And it's and this is a topic we'll continue to talk about for as long as we're on this podcast. I almost feel like the um, the viewer, the trainee, the person going into that environment, it's not their job to go in. It's not their job to go in there and, and know. Like you almost say to yourself, "All right, there's a level of uh, what's the word of, uh, of that person being naive. They should be doing their due diligence, but they're showing up, they're going into this environment, and they're suddenly Olympic jerking over their head when they've just been sitting in a chair for 12 hours and they haven't moved off their couch for the last, you know, 365 days, and suddenly you're having them do that. Like, it's irresponsible. I almost feel like we're not putting enough of a, of a stamp on things. We're allowing coaches to go out and take people's lives into their hands, and we're really fucking, not we, but like, they are really fucking these people up. And it makes me angry. Like, at first I was like, oh, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. But now I'm saying to myself, wait, there is something I can do about it. Because when you're in the spotlight a little bit or when you're on social media or when you're in front of a camera and, and you have that type of audience, you can educate people and you can help them. And you can say, no, this guy here who's a bodybuilding, he's a bodybuilding coach, fine. It's great. But don't go to him and, and, and try and discuss function because he doesn't really know function. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's... I know it's a little bit of a rant. No, no, sorry about it, it, but man. it's like, yeah, it's, it's, I'm very... Well, I mean, I, I, I feel the same way because I get people who are broken. And it's like, I want to do, like, some Dexter shit. Like, chiropractor, strength coach during the day, and then just fucking murder people who are doing dumb shit. Because, like, it's... I can put a face to it. Like, I can put a guy who worked with a trainer who had a weekend certification or whatever, who has the flash and flare, knows the marketing, and all of a sudden this guy's got three disc bulges in his low back. You know, Blue Cross Blue Shields and paying for his fucking kids to go to school for the last 18 months while he sits on the couch because he can't work. All because people don't realize that I look at the medical system, it's like personal trainers are your gateway into the medical system. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's such a due diligence. Something like eight out of 10 preventable diseases, the most deadly diseases in North America are preventable. It's like, that's not me as a chiropractor. That's a personal trainer. Like, I work corporate wellness at Apple in Silicon Valley. And like so many people's issue is like, you just don't move. Go work out, go, they got trainers over at the the corporate gym, just go. 
yeah. not vetted, not screened, you know, some bullshit weekend certification. Next thing you know, they're coming back and their little bit of low back pain is 10 times worse. And it's like, yeah, oh, like, shit. And that, it feels bad on me. Like, I feel bad that I sent them down this road route because it's like, I would imagine there should be a base level competency for trainers. But it's just not, too accessible. No, but there's, but there's not. Yeah, but it's kind of the same thing that you know Don and I talk about this a lot. Uh, you know, and I sent on something yesterday about a lot of these social media uh, people or fitness experts. That, yeah, they're you know most of them couldn't. They they were getting well, I forget the stat is like they were getting all these generic really basic questions wrong about nutrition. Um, I don't know if it was about fitness, but it just proved what kind of we've been saying this whole time is you got to be selective who you're listening to. But it's it's just like these studies. If there's so much of this information out there, uh, how, how do you know? What, like, how do you divide and conquer here? Like, what to listen to or what to, well, who to follow and, and who not to? It, it becomes really hard for, like, regular people to know what to do. I mean, so evidence-based is based off three pillars, right? Most people hear evidence-based and they just think empirical research. And that's part of it. So, like, there is a very, and that's a very um, contentious part of it, right? Because study one day, sugar's good. Study 30 years later, oh, shit, actually, we hard paid off Harvard and Coca-Cola and all that nonsense, yeah. right? Uh, experience. And the experience is huge. Like when I look, like who have you worked with? And then you, the third pillar is what have you done, right? And that's with me, like being a semi-competitive strength athlete and a semi-professional athlete prior to that. It's like that's where I get the most benefit, I think, is because I can grab a professional athlete by the ears and be like, listen, man, tore this, tore this, broke that, did this, no surgery, you're fine. Where it's like if the heaviest thing I ever lifted was a clipboard, and I tried to grab some of these guys by the ear and be like, listen here. And it's like, I, I can't even bench the bar and I'm going to tell, like, you know, on linemen in the NFL what to do. It's like so much of this is just psychological, right? Mm -hmm. So in when vetting people online or in person or the nightclub owner with the chicks and the, the thermostat, I mean. Let me, let me tell you, that makes up the majority of New York City right now. Yeah. And it's it's scary. It's, you it's look at every thing. you look at you know Rumble. You look at I'm going to throw some places under the bus right look, now. You oh, look at Barry's boot, Palo Alto. Yeah, you look at you look at Barry's boot camp. You look at all these different concepts, and people are relating success with a sweat. And you know as well as anyone, any dipshit can make someone else yeah. sweat. It's like it's, you're working out or you're training, or what I always say. It's like two different things. It's efficacy versus effectiveness, yeah. right? But I just think to a to a certain degree, what they're doing is is what we should learn from them. They're playing to the psychology. And that's where that's where treatment, that's where programming lives and dies. Because at the end of the day, man, it's reps and fucking sets. But it's like, who's telling you to do it? it? Like when I, you know, I can grab some of these guys, and it's like, they'll listen. I grab my like, listen, man. Like I know you can bench whatever. I can bench more than you. So sh sit down, shut up, and we're gonna do this. Mm -hmm. And guess what? In six weeks, you're gonna be back making nine million dollars a year. Yeah. So you're gonna be off the fucking bench. So sit down, shut up, and take notes. And that's the psychology I have to have to be assertive and be effective mm -hmm. with someone like that. Where it's like, what is this guy doing? He's opening up a, a Barry's boot camp and he's getting some guy off Wall Street who works 60 hours a week who just wants to get laid. Yeah. And he's putting some chick in front of him and that's the psychology. That's, that's where he wins. So it's like, it's all like, what, whether it's treating or training, it all happens between the ears, man. All right, so then getting into your third 
Oh, we're going yeah. back. Yeah. No, so, I want to because I want to. I want to feel. I, I know we're trying, and I love no, jumping around. That's but all right. Well, yeah. We're two down into it. So bottom up press and windmill. Yeah. I want to hear your third down. I said walking lunge is huge. Okay. Walking lunge. Um, I think to me it just it takes gait cycle. It takes how you interact with your world every day, and it, it blows it up on a big screen. It shows you every imbalance. It shows you every asymmetry that you could possibly imagine. Like just take, like I we got halfway through this yesterday, and I yeah. don't think I could finish. It's like. It, think of like um, think of going to a shooting range and putting a target in very close range, like five feet away. If you hit bullseye, you don't hit bullseye. Whatever, no one's gonna commend you for being accurate at short range, right? But you put that thing of fucking two miles out, some Chris Kyle shit, and you're picking it <laughs> off. It's like, okay, you got some chops, right? So it's like when we're walking around all day, like just short stride, just you know, just pitter powder, let's get at her sort of shit. We don't see where our inaccuracies are just like in close range we can't really tell how inaccurate we are so then the walking lunge takes that target and moves it so now when we go into long stride walking lunge something is simple man i could tell if you have unstable hips by the way you make contact with the ground mm -hmm. if you're heel striking so hard you're looking for ground force to tell you where you are because you don't know your uncharted waters your nervous system is just any input will do so if someone heel strikes hard easy right there bam sign number one then as they descend down, if that back hip, like if, Rotates, yeah, yeah. if your knee shoots out yeah. on your back hip, it's like, all right, we don't have a hip extension on that side because we can't stay internally rotated. Yeah. You, I mean, you'll see that a lot with guys who have to stagger. Yeah. yeah super right. wide. Right. Yeah. And, and then it's like, can you keep your knee from, and not even like drive your knee out like that old adage, like just don't let your knee come in. That's right. all I want to see. And then from there, it's like, okay, see, this is like you shooting. Every step you take is like you're five degrees off center on this bullseye at short range and then all of a sudden one day when you're squatting you miss the target you got a hip shift your hip shoots to the side or your low back starts to hurt it's like god oh, i don't get it man like i did the same thing every day like got off work or like got my pre-workout and I mm -hmm. went, went you know empty bar do two plates and it's like oh, i did it in college and it's like fuck dude you've been heading for it we've just never screened down range before right so now the sorry no no sorry it almost reminds me of you know i was talking to a wait i was talking to a guy in the gym that i don't know if you were with me but um, I don't know, I was, I'm going to name drop it. I was working with John Krasinski. He was talking to John Krasinski, and he said he, he, he ruptured his Achilles tendon. This is one of our, uh, one of our members that we've been rehabbing. And um, I'm like, what, what, how did it happen? He was like, you know, I went on the basketball court. I said I was going to take it easy. And then five minutes in, I'm like, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard it a million times. Game but seven. Like, I say it to every client I work with, and I'm not a PT. I'm not a chiropractor. I'm like, listen, your body's used to moving in different planes, different paths, different patterns. Call it what you want. The second you get out of position, you're not used to being there. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got to prepare for this yeah. shit. I mean, it's that simple. It's pretty much that simple, Easy. right? Yeah. It's contingency planning. It's literally like physical contingency planning. It's like you're going to end up in this position, whether you're whether you're a, a soccer dad or whether you're a first baseman for the for the Giants. You're going to sure. end up in this position. Do you have strategies to manage your body in that space? If you haven't trained it, then the answer is no. I always say, you've earned, have you earned the right to get into that position? Have you earned that? You know, have you earned that balance? I mean, that's just the way that I always put it. So that was so. The, so the lunge. What do you what do you teach specifically on the on the lunge now? Is there any? I mean, you said without not staggering, keeping the knee in. Is there anything? What do you teach with actually um, with extension with with step distance? Is there anything that you that you're focusing on with the knee? Do you like keeping a more of a vertical knee tip? Do you want the knee to come forward? You want the knee to come forward, right? Because yeah, I'm dealing unloaded with or loaded, or it doesn't matter. Well, all this. So if you can't, this is get all in, unloaded. All yeah. unloaded. Yeah, if you yeah, can't get into a position, 
even with the bottom under press, yeah. if I can't sit and watch you kind of keep a tight spiral with that arm, right. you're not loading it. Yeah, sure. It, like, if you can't get into a position unloaded, don't load it. Cardinal okay. rule. Like, that's... Because the second you start doing that, the, the biggest problem is people think they're studying biomechanics, but they're studying physics, right? Like, physics will tell you that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That's why you see the cute little, like, oh, see, my squ I squat this way because my femurs are this long and then my shins are this yeah, short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's a, it's like, that's great. Yeah, this nice. is fucking Paper Mario. It's two dimensions, <laughs> right? That tells me physics, <laughs> right? But, like, when it comes to biomechanics, like, have you ever seen lightning strike something before? Like, how, how close? Well, I'm not saying, like, it hits you, but, like, no, have you ever no, seen mean, like, lightning like, hit something? Whether it's on the weather channel, I, think seen, I, think I'm, I don't know if I've seen it on, on, on camera. You've seen, seen it from a distance. Sure, sure from yeah, a from distance. Yeah. But like that's the point I'm trying to make. Is yeah. That's biomechanics. Path of least resistance. That's how our nervous system works. Even look at a fucking map, like a neural map of your body. It looks like fucking lightning bolts. Now, what path we choose to decide is where we are putting sort of neurological lightning rods throughout the body, and that's going to call that pathway. It's not fucking like, oh, well, sagittal plane squat stick figure guy has femurs that are this long, and that's why my chest caves to my, right, right, to my right, knees, right. and that's why I've blown out. And I'm not talking about anyone in specific in the fitness industry. I'm definitely talking about someone specific in the fitness industry. But it's like they try and justify it. It's like, what about that third dimension? Well, what's the third dimension? Rotation. What's all the muscles of stability? Where do they exist? Through the rotational plane. And it's like, it's just so misinterpreted that it's like we don't know how to train muscles that run in different orientations differently. I want to ask something about, um, because the majority of the readers are, when I say bodybuilders, I don't mean competitive, but they're, they're there to build their physiques. Aesthetics. Aesthetics. A lot of people will say, well, I don't really care about functionality. I just care about looking a specific way. Or you might talk to a bodybuilder who's getting on the stage at the Olympia, and he's like, listen, I just have to, I got to put more width on my shoulders. And then you might hear them speaking this way. But what's your thought process? And I, I kind of know the answer, but I, I want to hear this, um, of a more sound bodybuilder training and the idea of them being able to create more tension, contract a muscle better. If they're able to get into positions better, they're able to, to recover better, heal better. They should be able to look better, correct? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Or, long-term in that, and coming from a clinical background, two of my close friends are probably the top 20 bodybuilders in the world. <clears throat> both of them this morning announced that they just ruptured their bicep tendon. Oof. Anton Veillant, Fuad Abiyat, both have ruptured bicep tendons. Anton was doing the Toronto Pro with me where I'm competing next. Right. And it's like, you know why? Because he has no external rotation in his shoulders. I guarantee it. I, don't, I didn't see the video, but I guarantee it's because he can't do this with his shoulder. So when he's loading stuff, he's trying to do this with his wrist. And then he's grabbing that bar. So he's getting into that position, but there's so much torque through this elbow because so his fucking yeah. shoulder won't move. So it's like, yeah. If, no wonder that happened. Yeah, yeah no wonder that happened. <clears throat> you're going to look real sick. If aesthetics is your goal, you're going to look real sick with that bicep rolled up in your shoulder. Yeah, but, but I mean, the way Don trains, and I, I think um, you know, Don was on the cover of our magazine in, in March of 2017? No, last year, 18. 2018, apologies. And... Um, you know, I thought it was really important to, to highlight that Don trains differently than, you know, he doesn't just train body parts. Don trains for, you know, to move better. And it also helps him look better. And know, I still so. need a lot of work. I mean, I'm not saying, no, like, no, you know, no, yeah, yeah, you know, know. I'm, I'm one, I want to bring that out, too. There's times where I right. get better and I get worse, clearly. Right. But there's also, you also, um, you also step back and, well, you, you change things up consistently and, and train differently a lot. So I think that was, but, but that was something I thought was important to, to tell people because I think they were so used to focusing just on 
today is my chest day, tomorrow is my legs, but you don't have to do that. Like you don't have to train this way. Like you've taught, you've been taught that, but there's a lot of different ways to think about this. And I think that's why it's really important that, you know, um, that we're talking to you right now about this and that, that Don's uh, philosophies were, were out there. And I think that's what I'm trying to get some of, especially some of our older readers that, that don't know or haven't been exposed or just haven't tried to find different ways to, to stay healthy as they still want to look better. I just don't think they've been given the right options, right? Like, because most people, they go into a physical therapist with like, oh, my elbow hurts a bit. It's like, that's how this bicep tearing starts. I've seen enough of it. Like, your your forearm kind of gets tight here. It's like, you better, there's a storm coming. You better watch out. Yeah. Like, if you don't fix that and it's all in your shoulder, you're going to go to deadlift. And that's where I see it the most. But it doesn't have to be like, you know, like your grandma's physical therapy exercise. Like, we were talking about this today. Like, people would massively benefit. <clears throat> Just doing walking lunges in your programming. Grab some dumbbells, go for a stroll, but make sure when you do that, that we're getting that long stride, knee over the toe, back hip stays internally rotated, like that knee doesn't cave in as we look to go through that swing phase of gait. Can we stay stable in that swing phase? Can we spend some time on one leg? That's an exercise. So it's like in rehabilitation, it's all just about scale, right? Like it's almost as if when I write programming, it's like when my mom used to grind up vegetables in my spaghetti sauce. Like I didn't eat my fucking broccoli, screw you, mom. And it's like, in the sauce the whole time had no idea didn't found out when i was 25 i felt yeah. lied to my whole life <laughs> but that's what it is you know what i mean like we were talking today about pullovers like what a great yeah, it's like exercise. a lost art i yeah. feel like it's a lost start you don't see people yeah, doing but anything. i think a great exercise for improving posture and it's like it's not sit at your desk with the with a rubber band and like or tuck your chin back into your fucking headrest yeah. it's like you know because it's again it's about buying it's about psychology like i've had people whose rehab exercises have been 225 front squats rehab why because they squat fucking 900 pounds it's mm -hmm. about scale right so it's like being able to intertwine and like have them doing this corrective work without realizing they're doing it and that's everything where it's like you tell them okay we're gonna do like a 20 minute warm-up and we're gonna start with like the pink dumbbells and we're gonna do like no, dude i'd rather orchestrate a program that's like maybe 70 percent effective that'll be executed 100 percent of the time than something that's 100 percent effective that'll get executed zero amount mm -hmm. of time i personally like to train like if you look at where my my heart's at the way that i like to train and i know where you're at um but I, we definitely want to hear it what we did t today, you know, we got in there, we worked on, you know, a lot of stability work and we went through a group of exercises and the next, you know, we warm up on the bar and the next thing you know, you know, we get away from that kind of prehab, what I call dynamic warm-up, whatever the hell you want to call it. I mean, everyone has a different name for it. But once we got through our heavy benching today, it was like, all right, accessory work, like, how are we feeling? What do we feel like doing today? And it was like, it's a cool way to do things. And at the end of the day, I want to feel good for my training. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not powerlifting, but on the other hand, I do have goals in mind. But my whole goal is to feel great, to be strong, and to move better as time goes on. And like anyone else, like we're all aging, man. That's something, that's something you, it cracks me up. I run into the 25-year-old model and she's kind of cocky and she's like, all right, I'm 25 and I'm working on this and that. I'm like, yeah, but you're gonna be 40 in 15 years and trust me, it goes pretty quickly. Like you're gonna have to think about things differently and you see that progression. People have to think differently. And I feel like it's a sin when you start seeing that decline, when you start seeing that individual at Bev's getting hurt and they're just like, Got to train around it. I'm like, I get it. You got to train around it, but that need happened for a reason. Yeah. Are you addressing that? And a lot of them don't want to address it. They they just want to work around it. Like the surgery's done, it's fixed. I'm like, it's not fixed. Like you're 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 for that happened for a reason. There's dysfunction somewhere else. 
that's kind of one of the goals of why we wanted to bring in today. We really wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I, I it's just, also like you know something you said before, like you you want to keep evolving, and and as a as a business owner, as a coach, oh, as as, as a person who trains, a lot of a lot of those a lot of those people don't. They just they they think that they know and they know what they there's know. There's a lot of there's a lot of ego. Up. Like I'm gonna yeah. do one of his programs next. Like I already talked to him about that. I don't care. Like do I sell programs online? Absolutely. Like do I own my own business? Absolutely. Do I want people to come to me and my business to train? Absolutely. He's he's put together stuff that's very interesting for me, and I want to check it out. Where, where can we find? Yeah, yeah, where, where can we, we find it? it? Oh yeah, I mean all my programming is done through my company www.pre-script.com, um, and it's yeah it's this idea of like there's so many things we can progress to get stronger before load is even a consideration. Like, we can progress exercise selection to get you into better positions. Like, it, you know, we can inc if we can increase your ability to execute a front squat, um, just not even thinking of weight on a bar, just give you the mobility and the stability to be strong, mm -hmm. right? Because like I said earlier, they're prerequisites. We can't be stable until we're mobile. We can't be strong until we're stable. So it's like making sure that there's not only just progressions in reps and sets which is like your, your usual inverse correlation there's time under tension density of a workout frequency of training um exercise selection exercise order and then progressing the mobility work like your first day i'm not going to get you doing like reverse kettlebell bottom up lun lunges right all right let's see how stay two yeah <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> spoiler alert yeah. uh, but no like just like all right let's see how we can do in just like a basic pigeon stretch oh but like stretching before a workout is going to cause you to get injured it's like re read interpret the research yeah. right and it's like what if we stretch into unstable positions stabilize and then load what if we go through a progression of mobility stability and strength like that to me is and, and it's 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 integrated, which is the biggest thing. Because most people, they when they warm up or they have like a corrective exercise program, it's like here's this 20 minute arbitrary sequence, and then go work out. It's it's a baton pass. It's funny that it's funny that he's saying that because we see it a lot. It's like the warm up is is neglected in the sense of I'm just gonna throw in a bunch of frivolous shit and just yeah. and just run and just do it. Yet they're training. They think. A lot of them think they're, they're taking a more of a mindful approach on it. Like, mm. these are the amount of sets I'm hitting today. These are the amount of reps. This is the time under tension I'm doing. And you kind of get into, well, why, why did you neglect probably the most important part, you know? And, and we all get, listen, I, I know at times in training, like, you might get away from it. You turn around, you're like, shit, I only have it 45 minutes today. Like, you know, and you, and you spend, you know, a little bit of maybe less time in the warm-up, but it's a total wrong way of thinking. Yeah. Like, keep the warm-up in there. Keep the... I keep forgetting the way that you put it, and I and I love it. What do you? Well, the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper yeah. movements. Put the gatekeeper and mo movements in there, and maybe get your benching in like a quick accessory movement, and just like you're done. Like that might be the better way to do it, but people don't think that way. Well, and that's what we try and teach people, right? Like we like our library is entirely custom. Like it, again, because we're not giving you the physical therapy exercise of like here's the pink dumbbell and the little band. Go do this. It's like. You know some of the stretching, some of the PNF stuff we do. Basically, it's like me as a therapist. How can I replicate myself with bands, lacrosse balls, kettlebells, foam rollers, right? Like, how can you be the marksman and I just tell you where to shoot? And then over time, the challenge is like, and as a part of like the community that we built, is like challenging people to try and streamline that, right? Like that's why we integrate main movements in with the the warm up or the like the prescript exercises, like our library, because it's like it becomes this game of like. It's almost like that memory game you played as a kid, or it's like I still play it now on long flights, where it's like you flip over the one card and it's like a brown tree. 
and you flip it over. And then you flip over another one, and it's like a blue bird. And then you flip over another one, it's like, oh, brown tree. Oh, fuck, yeah, I remember brown tree. Boom, brown tree, mm-hmm. gone. So, like, when I get off a flight, and, like, I got to squat. I'm fucking, I'm on program. I got to meet in four weeks. I got to squat, and it's got to be heavy. So it's like, all right, I'll go through, I'll sit in a bodyweight squat. What do I feel? Okay, my ankle, lateral knee, low back. So you immediately know what to address there. Yeah. It's like, or, or, it's, like, like, it's like tasting food and being like, all right, we need some salt here, we need some pepper. Sure, yeah, that. exactly. It's, it's like having like a physical palate, like being very in tune with... But a lot with, of people don't have that that connection. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. a lot of people in the magazine, they're, they're not going to turn around and start warming up and be like, oh, I need more thoracic <sighs> extension today. Yeah, like, but that's the integration. It's because they... What we do is we go through like every progression is there's a static stretching component first. There's like a SM like an SMR like a self myofascial release component. Second, stability work. Third, and then you do an empty bar like front squat. I'm gonna tell you that right now your week one day one of your powerlifting program mm-hmm. is gonna be front squat up to a six rep max, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna do four drills before that, and then you're gonna front squat the empty bar, and then you're gonna do all four drills again. Mm-hmm. And it's the challenge in the group and in the community is like. How does each one of these relate back to changes you feel in positioning and strength when you actually integrate it in with the objective outcome? Then over time, and like this is, I, I can do it now because I've been doing it for 10 years, but it's, so I know it's like, okay, lateral knee, I'm going to smash a kettlebell into my TFL, I'm going to dynamic form roll my ITV, and then I'm going to see how I do on like right, a right, right. single leg RDL. You're testing the sauce as you're adding that's it. That's it, man. That's that is the most Italian thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you gotta love it, man. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Uh, but hey, whatever. But I mean, whatever helps you conceptualize it, right? And I think it's the integration rather than having here's an arbitrary twenty minutes. Here's your workout. It's like, dude, it's just a progression in dynamics. Like we start real low threshold with a static stretch, and then we get a little bit more dynamic with some sort of pin and stretch kind of myofascial release, always with a movement component apart. You're not just going to bash and mash. Nothing in there is just stick a lacrosse ball in it. It's like, okay, we're, we're, we're hitting a muscle. Let's start it in a fully shortened position, and then under that pressure, try and advance fully lengthened position with the antagonist, with the mm-hmm. opposite muscle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then it's like, all right, like, how do you do like lower body? Like, how do you do in the walking lunge? Or how do you do with a single leg RDL or a hip airplane? Then take that stability that we've just gained better access to by increasing our mobility, and then load it with strength, mm-hmm. integrate it into the main movement. So over time, it's, it's less is more, man. It's a distillation process, addition by subtraction. That's what we're going for. Like we literally challenge people. Like by the time you get into second phase powerlifting or second phase hypertrophy, it's like, how? What is your minimum effective dose of corrective exercise? I'm the same as you, man. Like I'm busy. I got to be running around. Like I don't clean up as quick or as well as you do. But I got to listen to this know, now. Just, see, I see the, the Clark Kent shit, man. Yeah. It's just like yeah, he's a little I'm too handsome. Out the door. Yeah. Don't trust this guy. <laughs> um, but no, like that's the challenge, man. Is like how can we appreciate to a point? Because stability is like when we talked about this the other day. If I don't train for like two weeks and I get under a 700 pound squat, fuck, does it feel heavy? Oh my God, it feels like a thousand pounds. But if I constantly have that exposure, my body's like, all right, I guess we need to know how to manage this. Or like with hypertrophy, like if he doesn't, he doesn't eat right for train for a week. He's gonna lose what, like eight, ten pounds? Yeah, I, I feel like I'll lose probably close, close to that. Because it's so his body's so technically inefficient because it it allocates so much resource to being jacked. It's a if he doesn't have to constantly adapt to that stress, his body's like, whoa, we're going to just get a jettison all this tissue that we have, because why the fuck do we have this? But with stability, man, like with every step that you take, every time you grab something off the top shelf, you appreciate it's the one adaptation that doesn't succumb to diminishing returns. So it's like, it's such a streamlined thing. Like right now, my warm-ups are shorter than anyone's. I can get off a plane, do do the airplanes, do the, do the bottom under press, do the serratus um, kettlebell windmills. 
do all my gatekeeper exercises. And if I clear, if I have the mobility to get into a full like airplane position, like hand between the feet, like a lot of thoracic rotation, stay stable and come up straight as an arrow, I'm good. If I have limitations in my ability to get there, then I spend some time there. Yeah. yeah, and it's like do the mobility work so I can load that properly. Then I've passed. Now I'm good. Now I can load a bar. So was that exercise four and five then? Did you just name them? Uh, yeah. Right. So lower body would be um, so we get walking lunge. Yeah. Single leg RDL. So oh, just you like you didn't talk. So 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 far you you've gone bottom up press. Yep. Yeah. You've gone windmill. You've gone walking lunge. lunge. Yep. Yeah. And now R- single, single leg, single leg RDL. RDL. Okay. And then hip airplane is to me like the precipice. Of so that's like so single leg RDL and a hip airplane. They're I don't want to say they're similar, but you're almost <clears throat> as you're hinging forward, you are going into the airplane mode. That's one you showed me. Yesterday, yeah. Right? So think of it this way, right? Like a common way to con- or a good way to conceptualize how I want my warm ups done, and like because at shoulder and hip, they're ball and socket joints, right? So they're the only thing that's not analogous is how we load them, right? We walk on our feet through our hips, not on our hands through our shoulders. What I want you to do with keeping the load in place, think of like this is my hip, for example. By the time I'm done my warm up and I'm on a bar, my foot will have stayed on the ground. This is the inside of my hip. I'm going to Sistine Chapel this bitch. Imagine dropping a little bit of paint on the top of that femur head. By the time I'm done warming up, I'll have painted every edge of that acetabulum, of that hip socket. Same thing with the shoulder. Right? Like by the time I go through bottom under press in a windmill series, that that humor the head of the humerus has it's juiced. It's like yeah, it's, it's ready it's, to go. It's, it's lubricated. And if it doesn't thing. get to a point, it's like, okay, I need to stretch into that position first and then stabilize in that position. And then I can load in that position. Right? You've earned the right now to load that position. Right. Right. So that's how just from a basic framework, because like when we lunge, we're just going forward and back. Right? And then when we RDL, we're going a little bit further back. And then when we do the hip airplane, we're moving side to side. And that's where we really see a lot of people trip up. Is like, if you're going to squat and your feet are outside of shoulder width apart and you're in the bottom of the, like the hole of the squat and your knees are all the way off to the side, think about how much your hip is abducted, like pushed all the way out. It's like you should be able to stabilize that. So with the windmill, it's like stand on one leg, do an RDL, and then start to control your body through that plane. But not like the Jane Fonda Sunday morning, like, I'm going to sit on my side and yeah, kick, kick my legs up. up. Yeah, you don't mean that. I should stop doing that? Yeah, you should stop. I mean, hey, you don't it's have to clearly I like it. It. <laughs> This guy works out. But it's like, think of that same motion, but just put Jane standing. Right. Because that's really functional. Like, you want to talk function, feet on the floor, right? And gait cycle, that's functional. Like Usain Bolt, that to me, like, I don't care. And I compete in sports where I've literally been at competitions where guys have squatted over... 1100 pounds and I still think they're not shit compared to Bolt because he's like his ability to manifest full function at the hips and that's the side joint that's the that's the ball and socket is it's unparalleled you know I never really thought of it that like uh from what you just said though like just taking her and putting her on her feet because that's function I it just hit me how like simple that thought is but man you're so right and it's like yeah like why would why would she be on her side like that? She's building like, strength. Yeah, Someone like, told her her problem was weakness. Yeah. Building function, integrating, building stability. Yeah. And they feel it. They yeah. feel it. Feel the burn. Yeah, yeah feel, feel the, the burn. Feel the burn, man. I wonder, like, why Bolt, I wonder why Bolt like, kind of, of earned that, you know, earned that freedom. You know, was it, was there something, was it how he was born? Was there something in his training as a, as a kid? I mean, he, I'm making this shit up, by the way. But, like, he, he said, like, I used to do a lot of beach running. Like, he pulls sleds on the beach and yeah. do all this crap that's, like, kind of... 
a little unconventional. Like, did that have something to do with it? Like, so I don't know. How big is Jamaica? How many people? There's such an epigenetic expression. Why is it that every time we see a top six, top 800 he's, meters, one of the it? smallest fucking countries in the world yeah. is up there? That's crazy. There's an epigenetic expression there. And he's literally like, here's the thing. For, like, I know, I know hip stability. I know hip function. I know sprint mechanics. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm never going to make it, right? Never in a million years. But in his case, it's like, it's a, it, epigenetics is when, is when your, your, your morphology, how you're built, puts a bullet in the chamber, and then your training pulls the trigger. That's, that's it. Like, that, all that, whether it be inadvertent or deliberate, that's why. Like, you want to talk unstable surface? Sand would be about where I start. Right, not fucking standing on a Bosu ball or no. some shit. You never see him caught dead on that, unless like the beaches in Jamaica were just covered in Bosu balls. So does that mean people are gonna be everyone's gonna be running on sand now? Dude, I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't. I like it more than. And you know what? It's free. Go yeah. outside, run. Yeah, fucking run. Get get your get out of your own head for ten minutes. Yeah. I don't care. Like I think there's so much to be said for that. How much? Um Per month is is a uh, is this prescript? Oh sure. So we have like prefab programs, which are basically like you have an upper body problem. So there's four and six week progressions, which basically depends on how far behind the eight ball you think your shoulder or upper body dysfunction is. Will dictate the length and the um, the speed of the progressions through some of the mobility and stability work. Uh, those range from fifty to seventy. Whether okay, so it's not a monthly. Is it a monthly? Oh, thing, so or that's is it... the programming. So okay. we have like the full, the ongoing programming where I sit down and write programming in in blocks for our members. Like it's continuous. Man, that's gonna be a lot of time. Huh? No, no, dude, it's it's a language. It's it's so it's like sitting down and writing a book. Like it's. It's how it's the only. It's he's a, a gym dork, so it's it's yeah. for for him it's fun. It's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, sitting down writing a book. I'm like, wow, well, that, that seems like a lot, lot of work. Time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, good it's lord. It's just like it's it's a it's a preoccupation. It's like pollutes my not pollutes in a bad way, but right. it's all I think because when we train, it's like I'm constantly looking around and just being like, because that's my biggest muse is like go to a gym where people are, like they're. Like, okay, what's their goal with this? Or, like, what are some people's... Because I'm not my audience, right? To a large degree, I'm not my audience, and I'm right. not my member base. It's like, I get to kind of be the eye and, and pay attention to everything and be like, okay, where are the pitfalls? Like, how can I how can I get someone to honestly... And this is going to sound weird, and I'm not in practice anymore, so it doesn't matter. Like, how can I get someone to train and never have to see a chiropractor? Yeah. Like, how can I just tell them, like, oh, dude, like, if you came into my office back in San Francisco, I'm going to charge you out the nose to do something that a lacrosse ball could do. But it's you don't know to put the lacrosse ball there because your pain is here. And I was like, oh, no, that's just your hip. If I just dug my elbow in there for yeah. 10 minutes. You'd X be, doesn't you'd mark, be cool. always mark the spot. Yeah, so and then it's our <laughs> monthly programming for we do Olympic weightlifting. Um, we do CrossFit affiliate programming, which is that one has been really impactful just on a personal level because San Francisco Bay Area is very... Um, Crossfit, yeah, <laughs> but it's like, dude, it's, you can put a face to it, man. Like you can put a guy who's torn his labrum, yeah. who like used to be an athlete, like college ball, got, got into it after you know he had a couple of kids, he wants to get back in shape, labrum gone first week, and it's like, you, there's no, and this is an Al Pacino quote, but there's no prosthetic for like a, a broken soul. Like you take someone who that's their identity, like he's the big guy. And you take that away from a man, like fuck that kid, that eats me up. Like it's not like I tore my pec, tore my quad, I broken bones, hit by cars, whatever, you name it. And it's like that poor car. Yeah, <laughs> the '91 suburban was fine. Trust me, it was fine. 
but it's like that's the hardest thing man is like getting back to the psychology so in the crossfit programming has been really cool for us to take something that and they're getting better i think as a company like they're definitely getting better but there was a time there man where like the the level one course was yeah. butchering just your average person sure like so olympic weightlifting crossfit affiliate <clears throat> um and then my babies are hypertrophy and powerlifting so those are the programs that i oversee my business partner jordan junta another chiropractor crossfit he's in west coast crossfit regionals four or five years in a row one of the best olympic weightlifters in the country went through chiropractic college together so he takes a crossfit and ollie lifting programming and we see very much eye to eye on our like that's our ip that's our that's style cool. right and then i take powerlifting and, and a, or a hypertrophy style training or bodybuilding style training and it's just it's just a different lens to look through man so though that scalable like ongoing training is 130 a month um and that gives us like, team access we check in and we make videos exclusive content things like basically it's it's well, like that's fair. Yeah, it's a really good price for what they're actually getting. Yeah, totally. Uh, do you prefer working with like the like the top tier athletes, or do you like working with you know like the everyday person who you know is just trying to either improve or get back? Uh, I don't know, get back to their high school, high school, high school, school like yeah, um, bod. <laughs> both, man. Like I, in person, I, I've sort of taken to just kind of dealing with the higher end athlete, um, and th there's something like this. It's profound because people know who they are and it's the you know it's the thursday night it's the saturday night games it's all that like being such an avid sports fan an athlete like growing up and even still like getting to like look at my phone and see some of these names it's like you pinch yourself so there, there's that but i think from a fulfillment standpoint man like you know the guy who's getting consulted for his fourth spinal surgery and like you know, this guy's had to wear diapers for 18 months. Yeah, guy guy went to fucking West Point, man. Yeah. He's one of the yeah. baddest dudes you've ever seen in your life. Give that guy his fucking, give him his juice back. That's, yeah. there's, yeah, that's there's priceless. nothing. Yeah, like, that's priceless. It's like, and I, uh, I've dealt with athletes where it's like, all right, man, yeah, enjoy the nine schmill next year. Like, mm -hmm. cool. And they, they're just, they're just technical monsters. They're just, yeah. they have whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to go to practice today. It's like, man, I got a guy that coming in next that just wants to get out of the chair without pain. Yeah, Fuck you. Yeah, but at the no. same time, like, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but in person now, it's primarily the athlete. And with, like, I'll fire people. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, if I don't think that your head's in the right space, there's a thousand therapists out there that want to take your money. I don't want to be a part of it. Like, if yeah, it's, and I agree with that a hundred percent. It comes down to the level that you're at and you really, what you're really willing to tolerate yeah. and just. Some people, they, they just say they want to change and they really don't. No. You know, you hear when they come in, they just start telling you what they're doing. And you're like, okay, that's, <clears> that's great. But I, I told you, you got to get an MRI first, you know, yeah, because yeah. that's what our PT said. And he's the boss, not me. Yeah. So and for some reason, you don't want to do that. And just people, you know, they get in their own heads. You can't, I mean, you can't help people that don't want to be helped, you know. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, especially in the clinical setting, it's like, it's almost like a first responder. One of the first lessons of like, you go to basic life-saving, it's like, you're the most important person in that situation. Cause that dude, when I was working at Apple, when I was working corporate wellness in the Silicon Valley, you know how many patients I was seeing a week? 250. I've seen 250 patients a week. Empathy doesn't last 250 patients. You can't possibly give a shit. Yeah. You can't. I don't care. Right. Mother Teresa yeah, after 250 yeah, patients yeah, yeah. is it like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I want to be present. And it's so draining because like in that field, it's like people have such an emotional attachment with their pain, right? And it's like, it's hard to not bring home. So it's like, you know what? No. Went into private practice, capped it at 20 hours a week. And then that 20 hours became exclusive. So if you didn't fit in the mold or if you were like, and I get some people in acute pain where it's like they're going through it, but it's like, give me the reins, give me the wheel, 
we're gonna steer this bitch. We'll get this right. where you need to be. But people who are like, oh, like I went to my other guy, it's like we're done. Right. We're done. When did you, oh, sorry. No, I, just wanted, yeah. I just want to know when you guys both professionally reached that point where you were able to be like, you know, I'm not going to be dealing with this type of bullshit because a lot of people either need the money because rent isn't free, yeah. um, or you know they just, as you said, they just will take the patient even though they know it's not, or, or take the client because they just they just take the money uh when did you both get to that point dude almost in state jump man like because we're always outcome based never income based and it's like i do it for free and i've done it for free and that's part of the reason i am where i am is because i can prove i've proved value for no money and i'll do it with a smile i'll do it for the experience because it's like i i don't care if i make a dime doing it. it's just right. what i like to do and it's that that almost like literally coming out of the corporate model into private practice it's like i will never let myself get in that situation again so that helped well i mean that helped reinforce um what you already had in you like just watching kind of that was it like a toxic environment what, what was it yeah like? i mean the silicon valley is a tough place to operate right and like it's hard i mean it's hard to watch these kids come in like oh i'm here on a career experience i work as an apple genius in scottsdale yeah. and i'm going to work in ISNT and test angry birds for six hours a day for six hours a week and then it's just like for six days a week and then you see the kid in three weeks and he's ready to blow his fucking brains up. yeah i've seen it dude i've seen it like I, I did a year and a half there and i was like dude you're killing yourself and then i realized after about a year in in corporate practice that i was like holy fuck like i'm no different than the kid screening angry birds for illicit content like i'm killing myself for for what it's like there's no point Right, and so it was after that. that Get a free I, iPhone at least. No. Yeah, and but that's the thing. It's like guys, we're do, we're making we're making plastic rectangles here. Like, yeah. let me, like I know what the eleven's gonna look like already. Right. It's gonna be a plastic rectangle. Well, like, I that's spoiled it. it, dude. I didn't know. That. Yeah, right. Well, so that for me was like coming from a sports background, being objectively like measuring pro progress objectively. Like I don't like pain as 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 a as something to hang my hat on as a therapist. That's why it's like. Okay, activities of daily living. What can't you do now that we're going to strive to do? Even if it's something basic, like, I know people, like, I have elderly patients who are, you know, they're, they're crushing it. They used to be athletes, ex-Olympians, that they couldn't tell you when the last time that they went up a flight of stairs was. And it's like, that to me is like, okay, I, I want to have a profound impact. And it's like, well, chiropractor, profound impact. It's like, you want to know the statistics on a broken hip past the age of 60? You got a year. You got a year before you're dead. You crack a rib, you got six months. Right. So it's like that kind of shit, like forecasting and projecting out rather than like, you know, and nothing against them. Like the experience I had working corporate wellness, like you you need to jettison a lot of what you think, you know, when you walk into a room and your patient is like an on the spectrum double Ph.D. from MIT, because it's like what they told you in chiropractic college, that doesn't hold up because mm -hmm. they're not mean, they're just inquisitive <laughs> and they go, yeah, but why? But why? So like, I've really been able to come up with a concentrated approach and a lot of answers to questions I didn't have because of that experience of 250 a week of just being like on trial with the right. smart. They're amazing people. Like they're absolutely incredible. Like especially when you start getting up the director level, the VP, the CEO oh, sure. level. Yeah. Like the the way these people operate is incredible and taking from that experience the ability just to ask better questions right and that's what i always say it's like when i speak it's like i'm not here to give you all the answers i'm here to help you ask better questions because that's what i was able to do then moving on to stanford when i took the role of the strength and conditioning coach is you have you have 17 18 year old kids who are like off the charts smart and it's the same thing like i literally had kids come into session like come into practice like in the gym 
they just left a lecture from Condoleezza Rice, former Secretary of State under the Bush administration, right? So the, she's getting asked a question from Condoleezza Rice, and then she feels like I need to know my content to the same level she's demanded of her by her professors. Right. So holy shit, you better have PhD level dissertations on why this exercise here, because they're not. And again, they're not malicious. They're just right. like. I just, I just want to know. And that's the exact curiosity that gets a student athlete to the level of playing at Stanford University or, or a software engineer to the level of heading up a project at Apple. So it's like, holy fuck it, I need to elevate my game to that right. level. Right. And there's the other end of the spectrum, which is what you see at the boot camps in the city. <laughs> it's, it's refreshing to hear. I, you know, I'm hoping in the industry people start smartening up a little bit more, and I'm hoping that they don't they recognize that there's good and there's bad, just like we do with anything else. You're going and buying a car, you ask all the right questions. You know, you're going into a restaurant to order food, you ask the right questions. You know, if you're, you know, whatever it is in life, you sit with your business advisor, you ask the right questions. Yet a lot of times people just come in and they just go, I want to go, I want to go. Unfortunately, I'm not around that anymore. I mean, I've really kind of gotten away from that. When you ask the question, how do you vet your people, I think you asked. I, you know, I've got 10 coaches working for me. I'm not sitting there going, I want to work with you. I don't want to work with you. I have my people. They're the people I've been working with for a long time. Like, my day is very valuable. I might work with three people a day, which is probably even too much. But I love them. We, we have a good rapport, and I have no problem ever. My biggest quality is involving people around me that are way smarter. Like, if you met Charlie Weingroff today, there is not a client that I've worked with at Drive in the amount of time he's been there that I haven't called him over at one point. Seriously, it's, yeah. my, it's my best quality. Surround yourself, Greg Rose taught me this, surround yourself with a team of people who are way better than you in certain areas. I know my qualities, I know I'm great with, I know what I'm great at, and I'm bringing Charlie over because there's an element that I just can't bring to the table. Yeah. And I'm not supposed to, it's not my job. Yet everyone wants to be the jack of all trades. So to answer your question, I have my net group to get in with me. It's probably not going to happen anyway, and it's which is fine. But it's my team. I am my team. We, my team is me. Like we all work together, and that's kind of the environment I like being in. So yeah. people should just show up at your house. Yeah, exactly. Ask well, I left not your address last yeah. time in your phone that's, number, so right. you should be good that, to go. That is Look true. On, check on MuscleAndFitness.com. Yeah. Yeah. Reps.com. That, that was very nice. Thanks. One one two four. Thank you very much. Totally we did the same thing. Like I knew going in, to, like I have a lot of friends who run very successful online fitness-based companies. Yeah. And it's like, what's your pitfall? It's like your your GM is your best friend. Our so our CTO drives the Mars rover in space during the day because he works at Moffett Airfield for NASA. Yeah. He was a patient of mine. Yeah. And now he runs the tech for our little piddly website. It's pretty awesome. So it's like, because <laughs> I did a WordPress website once and I was like, yep, yeah, nope. Yeah, it's been yeah. about three days I haven't slept. <laughs> I've ate nothing but Adderall. I haven't blinked in like 13 <laughs> hours. And all I could do was put up a tiny button. It's like, I need help. I need professional help. No, it's fantastic. But then like, and our, our, our operations girl, it's like, Okay, I can't even manage my own schedule. I'm lost before oh. lunch. Oh. oh, okay, you have a physics PhD and you own a consulting company in Washington. You're in. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> totally get the idea of like, I mean, your network is your net worth. I'm, exactly. My, uh, I've given her a little props here. My manager, Kim, I met 10 years ago and she looked at me at one point. She's like, you're done handling your schedule. I said, okay. She's <laughs> like, I was like, thank you. Thank She's you. like, no, I'm taking this over because you're messing it up. I'm like, no problem. She's yeah. like, you'd be great at what you're great at. I said, thanks, boss. 
Mm -hmm. That's why we worked very, very well together. Could you let everyone know um, if they want to contact you, sure. social media handles, how to reach out to you? Yeah, so Instagram's usually my easiest point of contact, so it's at the underscore muscle underscore doc, D-O-C. Um, emails, probably second best. That's usually next on the list in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's jordan at themuscledoc.com or jshallow at uh, prescript.com. Can we can we list that too? When yeah. we, when we and, you, and you also um, on your YouTube page, um, uh, you ha how is that different than any of the content that you get at Prescript? Is it just uh, is that just the videos that you you put up? Uh, do you, do you plan that out or? Oh do you know? no, plan. Listen to this guy. So plan? I have no plan. No plan. Soon, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I mean, it plan. seemed to be it seemed to be pretty comprehensive. I mean, you talked a lot about some of the a lot of the moves that you spoke about today. Where, where definitely you can find them on there, and yeah. you find some explanations, which I thought was was helpful. Um, and we do definitely talk about stability. A lot of your your podcast appearances are on there. Um, so I don't know. I didn't know if like. I don't know. I don't know who who updates it. Maybe the guy after he takes a timeout from driving the rover. I don't know. No, for, so the YouTube. Yeah, it just it allows me to go deeper. I do it for me, man. I do all this for me because like that's how I learn. Is like I, I just say these things and I look in your eyes and I look in your faces and if I lose you or something like doesn't make sense, I'm like I need to adapt that. I need right. to, maybe the concept is clear, but maybe I need to change. And I'm constantly changing how I present and how I, I just because I'm just trying to get it across like, yeah we were talking about this yesterday my job and our job is like imagine if you've never tasted peanut butter before I got to tell you what it tastes like that's my job if you've never seen the color blue before I got to tell you what it looks like kinematic proprioception the stability crap I'm talking about it's, it's your sixth sense right that's why the seven foot five guy doesn't know where his foot is because it's seven feet five inches away from his brain right it's very hard to describe someone who's disconnected to that sixth sense so it's like the YouTube just allows me to like, yeah. here's words, just it's so like many words, but yeah. it's just like, it, it'll, that's my open mouth of like my conceptual funnel where, okay, I put this out there, get absolutely pillory to the comment section. I go, how can I tighten this up? And then that finds its way into my book or finds its way into an Instagram post or upstream to an article or whatever well, podcast. It's also a lot of like, um, a lot of user questions and, you yeah. know, so it's, it's helpful in that sense because... You know, it's just there's a lot of information. Yeah. So I think it's it's a good spot to, to but check But those out. are the guys I find that are the best. Yeah. Okay, and I'm not talking about the influencers showing their abs. I'm talking about the ones that want to give. Right. You know, it's like you want to go out there and you want to help educate people. Do it because you want to do it. Want to want to do it. Don't 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 attach dollar signs to it. The, especially the new coach starting out. I can't tell you in 20 years how many free sessions I've given, or how many editors I've worked out with, or how much free programming I've written. Shit that I've given away. I, I never expected anything. And in time, yeah, things might get connected to it. And you're like, great, everyone wins here. But if you're in it for the right reasons, um, I think good things are going to happen. Especially if you have a great head on your shoulders like you do. Yeah. And um, but, but the whole problem, like, well, this is what it comes back to, right? The whole issue is that. How do we start to elevate more people like that and suppress? Get them in the magazine more. Honestly, like like put them in, showcase them in areas like we're doing with Jordan. Showcase them in areas that the general public have access to. When you go and you sit and you get to listen to Ben and Jordan, or I go sit through one of Charlie's lectures and seminars, you already have a group of elite people who know to go in that direction. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like Mike Boyle, I'm very good friends with Mike oh, Boyle. No He's a really good yeah, dear friend legend. of mine. And I'm going to see him. In, exactly, legend. But Mike turned to me the other day, and I was on the phone with him. And he's like, you know, it's funny. He goes, I got asked the other day, if, if I was on a beach with a shirt off, and people had fitness questions, would they come to me? And I'd say, absolutely not. 
But I'd come to you, Mike. And we were, we were joking about it because he's just got a way of, of simplifying things. And he's just been, he's a legend. He's been around the block. And sitting there, you know, we're talking with Al Vermeil. I had him on, you know, on one of the podcasts the other day. Talking to these guys, you just sit and listen, yet they're not the ones being showcased. Yeah. If I go listen to a seminar with you and Ben in Ben's office down at MI40 gym, there's probably 40 people can sit in there. Yeah. Only 40 people. Yeah. Yet you're going to some idea conference with, you know, 600 people sitting there and they're pulling out bands and they're turning around and they're trying to make each other puke. That's where a lot of the that's where a lot of the mindset is. So I think it's got to be our job, which I'm hoping is what reps does to showcase really smart people to be able to give the viewers a, a leg up to allow them to feel more empowered and to allow them to now start saying, well, if I had pain. This is what I, I'm not saying I could cure it, but this is the route I need to start looking at. Not asking an online coach, well, I have pain in my knee, what do I do? And he says, well, do this, this, this band exercise. Someone asked me that, I'm like, the last thing you do is ask me. I can't screen you, nor if I, if I was around, I'm not the person to screen you. Go find a big, go orthopedist, and he'll send you to a PT. Go to a PT, a chiropractor, some type of medical, have them assess it, have them build, some, build you something. But I'm the last person you should be listening to. Yeah. Good? I, yeah. I just think I meant like on a more, ma a more mass scale. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think I I, I know what we're trying to do because we've we've talked about it. But we're gonna it do and, that on a mass scale. That's yeah. But I meant like as a community. You know what I mean? Like it's got to be from the top down, man. Like because here's the thing: being in collegiate strength and conditioning, like looking around at the current landscape, the best strength coaches I know, high school. Some you know Palo Alto High or something like that, just some Ricky High. He's Scary, isn't it? Zero followers, doesn't give a shit. Loves loves the kids. These kids are gonna grow up to be amazing athletes, best strength coach, worst strength coaches I know. NFL, yeah, hundred percent. You're like. Bro, we're still doing combine style training. No one gives a fuck how much you can do. I was laughing, Boyle. So Boyle got hired by the Red Sox years ago, sure. and just ironically, like yeah. they, they won the World Series. I think like two of those years. And you're <laughs> sitting there, and you're going, "All right, did you have something to do with it?" Like yeah. ironically, like you come in and you and like I'm going to say yes. The answer is yeah. yes. And yet you see an organization. I'm not going to mention it, and they have like four starting pitchers that are out already, and you know they they have a they have a list of uh, hockey the other night. I think there was like seven Boston Bruins that are no uh, Carolina Hurricanes are like injured and I'm looking at the injuries I'm like wait did anyone get hit by a car shot with a gun like the answer is no it's like shoulder hip no contact ACL, yeah it's like yeah. and you're like okay like that's a problem but yeah no and that's and that's where it starts man like Paul Quinn came into the Chicago Chicago Blackhawks boom there's your Stanley Cup like all right I mean did you have anyone on the sauce? No, hey, God, 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 God rest. He was the reason I. No, listen, I I, I, he he helped groom me oh, early on too. I read yeah. on, but like you know, look at guys like Cressy now. Like you Sorry. know, there's not a guy throwing over 100 in the majors that doesn't have his hand in it. Yeah. So the more you get the add-ins, like right now, I think the big push is in mixed martial arts, right? Like get a UFC fighter who can put his ego down and not just like. You know, follow some guy with a shtick who's going to talk about flow. It's like, no, just dude, make him, make him. My friend Corey Schlesinger is probably one of the best strength coaches in the country, in my opinion. Um, Stanford men's basketball. It's like, just make him move like better humans, and then you'll create a better athlete. So it's got, it's got to start from exposure level from the top down. Like the most high, like whoever's coaching the gold medalist, whoever's coaching, they need to have light, and then just making. And it's weird now. Like my business model, if as much as I am a dog chasing cars, is like. When I'm on a platform, when I'm deadlifting third attempt at a meet, I'm not thinking about, like, I really want to lift this. It's like, 
people might fucking listen to what I have to say if I lift this up. And to me, that's a huge motivating factor yeah, more right. than just like, My yeah, son's watching me. <laughs> yeah, right? Stuff to fire you up, though. Yeah, it's, I'm totally it's just like, and I think like, it's, it's a sad world where notoriety and credibility have been totally conflated. So it's yeah. like, oh, fuck, I got to have both now to, for someone to listen to me. So I present like all over. The, that's all I do now is I, I lecture. And I put myself in a position where I like to be academically unimpeachable, where it's like, like I want to impress Boyle. Like if I could be in a room with Mike, but you know, like he's he's a god. Like in my world, like he's a strengths coach, strengths coach, like strength coach. He doesn't fucking Instagram account, but I tell you what, in that off season back in the day, he had NHL players waiting in the fucking cold to train with him. You know what? He started an Instagram account. Did and, he? Uh, yeah. So so we were we were we were laughing. Everyone go follow him no, right now. Mike Boyle. Yeah, he's, he's he actually does something really cool every day now, and I want to say I'm going to say this. I'm partially one of the reasons why he has his hand in IG. I know people around him were, were saying that, but he was joking around. He sent me a, a shirtless pic of him last summer drinking a Bud Light, and he goes, here's your shirtless pic, because we were joking yeah, around, because yeah. he's making fun of me for being shirtless, but every morning he kind of has this um, words of wisdom thing that he sure. puts up. It's one minute of him sitting in his car at the stoplight, yeah. and he's like, you know what? Someone asked me this question about this, and this is what I think, or or or, or kids in training, or sports-specific training, and he takes these different topics, and honestly, it's probably one of my favorite things to watch, because this, you just hear it out of his voice and you're like thank you yeah. like that's what I've been saying or like thank you like that's a great way of putting it or like this is the, the simplicity that is Mike Boyle check him out yeah. it's my boy I want to thank uh Dr. Jordan? No, God, no. Okay. I mean, technically, yes, because I can bill insurance companies, but I don't do that. So just Jordan uh, works. I want to thank uh, Jordan Shallow for coming on. Dude was awesome. Um, he only lost me like 50 times, but I think I had a good poker face. But um, I couldn't tell he lost you. No, nah, way. well, I took some notes. Uh, oh, good. Okay. No, listen, I, but I expected it. After watching. You know, a lot of his videos and listening to a lot of uh, his interviews. Listen, there's there's just things that he's educated on on a whole other level than me. That means that that, that I want to know. Right. And I think that that's I think that that's what he's trying to get people to do is, as he said before, ask more questions and hopefully you know have have them kind of what, what the Stanford people were doing to him demand more. And I think that that's ultimately what you do too. Like you want people to to kind of catch up, and that's a. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's cool, and right. I like that. So I it was it. it was really cool. A lot of really cool things, and definitely going to take. Listen, that those five moves, five gatekeeper moves, five gatekeeper moves, dude. I'm I'm on it. But, so uh, my recommendation, to everyone, is is this. Um, Go start with your five gatekeeper moves. Get really good at it. Go check out Jordan on his YouTube channels. Prescript.com. Prescript.com. If you have any questions, fire him off to him, DM him, whatever it might be. But I will highly recommend his program what he, and what he does. At Don Saladino. Oh, that's mine. That's my handle. <laughs> Don Saladino, uh, Instagram handle. And ZRaz. Didn't change it yet. And if you guys have any questions, shoot it off to us at reps at muscleandfitness.com. Yeah. And we're getting so many questions coming in right now. So we're gonna so just if we don't get back to you, don't don't beat the crap out of us. We're just doing our best here. Yes. And uh, actually I haven't even checked Daniel's on, uh, he's on it. He's supposed to man Daniel, the uh, the email box. Email box? Who says email box? Don does. I don't say it. Guys until next time thanks for thanks for joining us. Don's box? No. <gasps> no, not Don's box. <laughs>